Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So that was the last ever Manic Monday at Wimbledon. It'll be gone from next year because uh, Middle Sunday will be gone from next year. Therefore, they'll be playing the fourth round matches over the Sunday and the Monday. Matt and David are here at Tennis Podcast Towers. Billie Jean is here, of course, sat on my knee. Um, If you had to choose Matt and David, a word beginning with M an adjective beginning with M, to describe this Monday, what would it be? Today? Mm. Mm, Monday. <laughs> we should have rehearsed this, shouldn't we? <laughs> Matt? Um, mega? Oh, okay. I'll tell you why. I feel, yes. like, that, I feel like that definitely needs justification. Yes, because we've ended on a real downer. We have. But my overarching feeling of today is it was a day of real breakthroughs for so many players. Lots of players made big steps in their careers today, um, either reaching a first Grand Slam quarterfinal or reaching a first Wimbledon quarterfinal or beating a nemesis or just doing something we've not seen them do before. And I enjoyed watching that a lot. Monumental Monday. Well, I was going to go That's with better. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking of the same. Okay. Well, should we deal with the misery Monday stuff first? Miserable Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. And then move on to mega monumental things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the misery, as I'm sure, as I'm sure listeners know, is Emma Raducanu, of course, the 18-year-old British wildcard competing in her first ever Grand Slam main draw, making it through to the fourth round without dropping a set. She took to the court very late this evening, um, around about 8pm to, to, to court number one, a roofed court number one, um, as it had started raining early in the evening, uh, to take on Isla Tomljanovic. It was a very close first set. She she dropped serve right at the end of it to concede the set six games to four. Um, just at the tail end of that set, she was gesturing towards her her stomach and she did seem to start struggling with her movement. And then after going, I think, three love down in the second set, during which it was clear she was increasingly um, struggling and gesturing more and more towards her stomach. I think after about a game and a half, she approached the umpire's chair and requested the doctor. The doctor did come out. She went off court for an assessment and never returned to court. The the physio, the doctor, came onto court for her and reported to the umpire, who then reported to the crowd that Emma Raducanu was retiring from the match, which is a desperately sad, worrying situation, one that I've not seen before, a player not returning to the court after a medical timeout like that. As things stand at the moment, it's entirely understandable that she wouldn't be coming to a press conference tonight. We were told to expect a statement. Um, But then later, around about half an hour ago, we were told a statement wouldn't be coming um, from Emma Raducanu tonight. And all we have is 
the word from the referee's office about the official reason for retirement, which is something every retiring or withdrawing player has to give, and that is difficulty breathing, which was evident on the court. Now, there is so much speculation of varying quality um, about what happened to Emma Adekanu tonight, and the fact is we don't know. Beyond difficulty breathing, we don't know. So this portion of the podcast is quite difficult for us to do because we don't want to wildly speculate and draw conclusions on the basis of that speculation. And yet we're a podcast where we talk about what's happened and <laughs> and speculate and draw wild, wild conclusions about our speculations about things. But it, it, um, it doesn't seem appropriate to do that in this instance when, you know, we don't even know she's okay. Nobody's told us for sure that she's okay. Um, we're assuming and hoping that she is, but it's a very difficult one. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'd probably feel more comfortable saying, um, yeah, hope she's okay, get well soon. Um, hope we find out maybe more tomorrow about what, what did actually happen in her own words. I, I'd like, or, or at least to be, to have that paraphrased to us so that, so that we know where, where we stand and then we can talk about it. Um, if there's anything more beyond just get well soon. Um, but I can say that for for a set, I thought she played really, really well. Um, there was a moment at 4-5 down when she was serving to try to get it to 5-all, and she played a rally of about 25 strokes with Ayla Tomljanovic. I just kept on thinking, she's going to miss one in a minute, and... She didn't. She just kept drilling inside-out forehands and cross-court backhands into the backhand corner of Tom Lianovich with great control, great precision. And uh, and I thought, yeah, we've, we've got a player here. We've got a proper player who's not just slashing at the ball, trying to hit a winner off everything. She's thinking through rallies. And, and she, mm. I have little doubt and that's the first time I've seen a proper full set of hers I thought we, we've got a heck of a good player on our hands here um, also that's the best I've ever seen Ila Tomljanovic play that's the most controlled tennis I've ever seen her play because she clearly had decided she was just going to extend rallies and stay in there and not flail around which I've seen her many times uh, put in an error strewn performance um, so you know, congratulations to Tommy Anovich for reaching her first ever quarterfinal. She was clearly in shock as well about the way things ended and and deeply concerned about Raducanu like the rest of us were. Um, and, uh, yeah, let's just hope we hear some news tomorrow that tells us that she's okay and um, and then we can talk about it some more. Yeah, it's a big moment for Tommy Anovich, this, I think. I think, you know, she, she's someone who came onto the scene several years ago now and there's often I think an assumption that we can probably make that players will get there or if if not will get there think they will get there and some really interesting quotes from her after the match saying she didn't think she necessarily would reach a Grand Slam quarterfinal it wasn't a given for her she said I've taken taken some tough losses and they have they've taken their toll on me mentally so I've I've had to really change my approach um and you know I didn't come into this tournament thinking I was going to be in the quarterfinals a week later and yet she has played really great tennis come out of a difficult section of of the draw beaten some really strong players different different scenarios this was one today I'm I'm really impressed with her and I think I think this is a big deal for her and now and now she gets a crack at Ash Barty tomorrow mm. yeah I have to say I, I most associate Isla Tomljanovic with tough losses mm. I mean, this year the uh, Isla Tomljanovic moment that sticks out in my head is um, losing to Simona Halep eventually in Miami in a match that she really ought to have won um, and that's probably a bit unfair to her because she plays some great tennis, but she, I feel like she probably ought to have won more than she has so far in her career based 
purely on sort of ball striking ability, which I know is extremely reductive and there's an awful lot to it, more to it than that. But I agree, it's a massive moment in her career and she's really enjoyable to watch. I thought sometimes it can look, you know, when you're just hitting the ball as hard as she is and really going for it on return. She was just putting her whole body into those returns. It can look pretty sort of dumb tennis sometimes. But actually, I think there was um, quite a lot of smartness to her play. She'd clearly cottoned on to how good Emma Adekani was at passing shots and was not going anywhere near the net today. <laughs> Did not want to give Emma Adekani a target, wasn't getting drawn in, not on your Nelly. Um, and Emma Adekani too, I think she's such, she, her tennis IQ is high, her shot selection is great and I, I think that's the hardest thing to teach and to learn. I, I think that's one of those more instinctive things. So I, I think that bodes really well for her and there is nothing that happened tonight that changes at all my feelings about her potential and her game whatever it was that happened she was competing really well and playing good tennis and potentially in trying physical circumstances for a lot of it so yeah I'm I feel somewhat aggrieved at Dan Evans for luring me with his utmost conviction that Radicani <laughs> would be winning this match that uh, that I should make that prediction but I will get over it eventually <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, yeah I wish all my congratulations to Isla Tomljanovic and um, it's been since 2000 it's not been since 2000 that Australia have had a woman into the quarterfinals at Wimbledon that was Elena Dokic and now they've got two of them and they'll play one another. Wow. And and it's the first time it's an all-Australian quarterfinal in the women's singles at Wimbledon, I think, since 1980. Yvonne Goulagong, Wendy Turnbull. Wow. I love how you come up with a good stat, Catherine, and then <laughs> Matt's straight in there with a better one. <laughs> I have to say, that is courtesy of uh, Matt Trollope He's in Australia. Good for a, he's good for a, a good stat. Um, yeah, because actually this is... This is a breakthrough moment for Ash Barty Absolutely. too, reaching a Wimbledon quarterfinal in a very different way to Isla Tomljanovic. But she's underperformed at Wimbledon. And this is a, a big moment for her. And I think that really showed in her reaction today, which was as demonstrative as you get, I think, from Ash Barty, certainly during a tournament. Okay, when she wins a thing, she might sort of let loose a bit more. But you don't see her release those reins of control upon herself and she did just for a split second after victory over Barbora Krachikova today I thought yeah totally and actually all match I I felt she was more visibly determined I mean that's not to say that she's not always determined of course she is but she keeps it under wraps a lot of the time and it's it's very difficult to tell how Ash Barty is feeling she's not someone who gives away a lot on the court and that's one of her great strengths and you know it it wasn't like she was fist pumping left right and center today I don't want to give the wrong impression but for Ash Barty standards I felt she was really pumping herself up more than I normally see and I think she relished this challenge against Barbora Krachikova today you know top two in the race for the year best two players this season on on the WTA tour and I felt like it was her best performance of this of this tournament. She's been growing, she's been growing with each match, and she she seems in a really good place. Ash Barty, considering there were lots of doubts about her fitness coming into this tournament, I think this ta- I think this first week and now into the second week has progressed really nicely today. And I think she enjoyed the matchup. It was just all about the tennis. You know, it was sort of all about shot selection and picking the right shot at the right time and kind of just manoeuvring the ball around the court. And she does that better than anyone. She she really does. I think if she's beaten Craig Shikova, who was on a 15-match winning streak playing like that, that just shows that Barty is is the best at that. She was great. I think it's my first example of this day 
providing so much frustration that I didn't get to see that match mm. really because I was on other matches. Um, but I think it, from what I heard at the time and what you're telling me there, something that struck me throughout the year from Ash Barty is how fresh she seems still about playing this tennis and about being on this world tour that she's going to be on for the best part of nine months is how it's the tennis and the matchups and the challenges that those matchups provide that are giving her an enormous buzz. Mm. She's spoken about whenever she's faced Petra Kvitova or or Arena Sabalenka and now Krishikova, you can see she's excited to see whether her game can sort out her opponent's game and what they're going to do. And she, I think she just is totally in love with the idea of, of putting stroke against stroke and seeing what you can do with a tennis ball. Um, and, I, and I love that. She's a creator on the tennis mm. court. Mm. Yeah, and she, and it'll be an, another sort of completely different opponent for her in, in Isla Tomljanovic tomorrow. Yeah, and I think a point we need to make is... I. Isla Tomjanovic will have had several hours less mm. to prepare for this match. I, I think it's the first time in certainly recent Manic Monday memory where they've put a women's match last on one of the main show courts because the women have to come back tomorrow and play their quarterfinal matches. And I think the real problem with this is that they didn't schedule her opponent at the same time. So you've ended up in this situation where Barty's finished mid-afternoon and either Raducanu or Tomjanovic weren't going to be finishing until pretty late into the evening. And look, there there are several factors in scheduling. It isn't easy, but that does feel like a real misstep. Um, mm. And, you know, I don't think that should be happening, really. Mm. By the way, uh, I... Reminds me that they were Fed Cup teammates in that Fed Cup final, Billie Jean King Cup now, of 2019, mm-hmm. Barty and Tommy Anovich. And funny how Catherine mentioned the memory she had of Tommy Anovich being that one from Miami. For me, it's that, that final and how she froze mm-hmm. in the first rubber. And it was horrible, absolutely awful to witness. Um, but she's... She's shown something today uh, because that wasn't easy what she had to do and, and okay, it ended in a, in a very un- upsetting way. But she was standing up to be counted in that first set. Important question. Will Matteo Berrettini spend his day off, his big preparation day for a first ever Wimbledon quarterfinal, will he spend it... Um, stressing out like a like a soon to be new father in a delivery room <laughs> uh watching his girlfriend in her first Wimbledon and Grand Slam judging by his body language today yes and he'll yeah. be there in the box doing I think it. he'll be planning his whole day around <laughs> I think so too um yeah because he was lucky enough to win very quickly and and very early today against Ilya Ivashka. So he had his whole afternoon and evening free to watch Ilya Tomljanovic and expend enormous amounts of energy doing so. Um, but I wonder if he'll be a more conservative supporter and viewer tomorrow. Watch this space anyway. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think that was the only match of the day that, that none of us saw any of, Berrettini against Ivashka. And, and apologies, Matteo, Um but a person only has so many eyes, and we're a team of four, and that's eight eyes. And and I stand by our decision. Yeah, I, st- I stand by our decision. <laughs> we were all ready to go there if it was two sets to love Ivashka, but not so. We trusted you to get on with it, Matteo. Absolutely, mm, absolutely. It was, and it was a yeah, it was a show of faith. And he did. He is through to the Wimbledon quarterfinals. We'll talk about the men in a a minute. Let's stick with the women for now because I think the best performance of the day was Angelique Kerber in straight sets over Coco Goff. Oh, yeah. Tell tell me about this because this is another one I didn't get to see. Well, she just looks like vintage Kerber. She looks like the Kerber 
that won the title here in 2018. Yeah, I'm I'm having visions of Kerber winning mm. the title again. She is playing so well. She's she's played the best tennis that I've seen this tournament. Um I think the other day against Cerebus Tormo, I thought that and again today she was brilliant. It was really windy on center court, mm. seemingly all of a sudden for this match and it wasn't easy to play good tennis I think in those conditions and she was just fantastic just the best of Kerber when she's like a brick wall that you can't hit through and yet when she gets the chance she finishes points no no messing around um Goff 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 played well Goff was pretty pleased with her performance I think I think the forehand let her down and Kerber targeted that and did did extract some errors from it but some of her backhands were devastatingly good and she gave a really solid account of herself, I thought, Coco Goff. But Kerber with the winners on the run, the angle she creates on return, she just has a has a look in her eye and is playing brilliant tennis. And she's the only one left in the draw with experience of winning this tournament. We've got to be talking about her as one of the favourites, I think. Mm. Do you know why, why I like hearing that? Is because it went through my mind earlier this year that I could see Angelique Kerber retiring soon. Well, I had heard rumours about her retiring soon. Not I mean, completely you know, flimsy, but they're swirling around out there. I, I did not see this coming. I thought she was winding down. When was the last time... We really thought of her as a factor. When was she last in the mix? Probably when she won Wimbledon and maybe a slam after that. I remember the Australian Open when Wozniacki won. And she came into that Australian Open looking so fit and strong that I thought she would take such stopping. And I think in the end, Simona Hallett beat her. Great semi-final. Incredible match. Um, and I remember thinking, I, th- I think I might have picked her to win or I felt she had a real chance of winning that. Um, I haven't thought it since. And I, like I say, earlier this year, I saw her just, she she just kept playing every week and she was losing a lo- just a lot of matches. And I and I watched her come into the net thinking, what when you've done all she's done, what would make you keep on mm. taking mm. these losses? And it did look quite going through the motions-y for a for a while it's, you know she looks completely fired up and just mm. I love just seeing glint her, in her eyes. she's when doing she's, that double fist pump yeah, thing when she's fired up it's an infectious mm. feel to it oh she's she's one of my favourite players to watch and when you add in that fire that she can bring it's, it's a, such a thrilling package but she has looked really quite bad I think for a while she's taken I think three first round losses in slams in a row and I think of her recently as taking really heavy losses you know there was the Danielle Collins one at the Australian Open there was Jennifer Brady I think at the US Open I think she lost to Potapova at a French Open and you know heavy set score losses um, none of that this week she is locked in and it's going to take I think a really special performance to beat to beat Kerber and there's players in this draw who are capable but it doesn't feel like she's there for the taking at all whereas it has felt like that for quite a while at slams this is a this is a different Angelique Kerber to what we've seen recently she's playing Karolina Mukova uh, in the quarterfinals tomorrow Mukova beat Paola Bedosa today 7-6-6-4 Bedosa had set point in that first set tie break didn't she and, and I think she wobbled. was 4-1 up in the set, possibly even 5-1 yeah. up in the first set. Yeah, that was one we didn't get to see much of. Um, but it's another example of Mukova stepping it up at, at big, big events. You know, she was a semi-finalist in Australia earlier this year. She's played Wimbledon twice. She's reached the quarterfinals both times. She's a yeah, she's, she's a big, big event player, Mukova. Mm. Yeah, I do, I, I think... Kerber's playing irresistible tennis. It's going to take something more than Mukova to stop her. But um, I have predicted that that will go three sets. And I do very much need a prediction to come off. <laughs> so if uh, the best Carolina Mukova possible could show up tomorrow, 
that would be great. But ultimately, a losing Karolina <laughs> Mukova. Sorry, just to be really clear about what's required. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got Barty against Tommy Nanovich, Mukova against Kerber, the winner of those two matches, to face one another in Thursday's semi-finals. At the bottom of the draw, the second seed, Arena Sabalenka, is still standing, and that is because she has finally broken through her very own glass ceiling and reached a Grand Slam quarter-final. And this is not the place that I thought she would do that. Not the time. Or the place she wasn't in, she wasn't in my predictions lineup at the start of the tournament. I had Rabatkina in that quarterfinal. It was Rabatkina that Sabalenka beat today, six three four six six three. Huge moment for Sabalenka. Yeah, yeah, it is a huge achievement. I, I haven't seen much of her this tournament, and I, I, I think I, I'm fairly sure I don't think I had her in the quarterfinals either, um, but. Good for her, you know, because it's just such a mental achievement as as well as the the game. The game is there. The game has always been there. It's how can she package it? Can she bring it out when it matters most? And she was put under pressure today, and she delivered. Good for her. Mm. And she will face in tomorrow's quarterfinal, Ons Jabeur, because Ons Jabeur. Beat Iga Svantec, five seven six one six one today. For I know she has reached a Grand Slam quarterfinal before. She did it in Australia last year, but for the biggest win of her career, I think. I mean, she is on some run. It feels like the moment for Onstraber. It feels like everything that she's been just creeping towards for a couple of years now it's reaching its peak it's all coming together and and these are the fruits of it and it's a joy an absolute joy truly yeah it really really is it was a great match against Sviontek at times I think our expectations were really really high for this match but I think the reason it wasn't exceptional was because Jabir was so good. I think in sets two and three, she didn't really allow Sviontek to have much say, especially in the second set, um, because Sviontek hit her peak form at the end of the first set to to wrestle it from Ons Jabir, who'd been playing really well since the start of the match. And if you'd said to me then that Sviontek would only win two more games in this match, I would have thought you were bonkers because she would she was playing so well at this point Sviontek um and yet Jabir showed a level or sustained a level that I'm that I've rarely seen her do um she said she put the drop shot away today I mean (laughs) that was not our experience of watching the match where we were Counting the drop shots. There were certainly double figures in drop shots. And <laughs> She but... said, people know I hit them now, so I've I've got to be careful. <laughs> like, that was her being careful. <laughs> wow. And to be fair, Sviante was reading quite yeah, a lot of was. them. I mean, yeah. it has to, has to be said, Jabir wasn't winning that many points from drop shots. Um, and instead, she was just attacking just with more clear purpose, I think, and... Yeah, just 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 nullifying the game of Sviontek, and it's the third major champion in a row that she's beaten to reach the quarterfinals here. Venus Williams, Muguruza from a set down, and now Sviontek from a set down. She's had to do this the hard way, and now she's got Arena Sabalenka, who I think many would say is the best player not to have won a slam. So this is a this is a really tough. Tough route for Jabir. She's earned this completely, and leaves us great with, a, to see. with a story, no matter what. Mm. From that, well, she she's already she's become today the first Arab or North African man or woman to reach the Wimbledon quarterfinal since Egypt's Ismail El Shafei in 1974. That stats from Room Abalil on uh, on Twitter. I mean, it's just sort of. Record after record for Jabir, isn't it? Mm. Barrier after barrier broken down. Yeah, totally. And 
and she feels that responsibility and doesn't shy away from talking mm. about how much that means to her, which I love. And just, just on this match today, the other thing I wanted to say was she won all seven of her break points, seven out of seven, which you, you very rarely see, I think, in a match. You know, it was the it was a complete opposite, for example, of her match against Muguruza, where she had so many break points and had to had to wait for her chances. She's just winning in different ways, and I just think that's that's so encouraging. So Ons Jabeur against Arena Sabalenka, the second seed against the Birmingham champions. So perhaps a quarterfinal that some might have predicted. I mean, absolutely not me, but not a completely unpredictable quarterfinal. That's for me. <laughs> but uh, above that in the draw, so the winner of that one will face the winner of Karolina Pliskova and Victoria Golubic. That is a Wimbledon quarterfinal. Now... In very different ways, I find both those names extremely surprising in that quarterfinal lineup. Yeah. Discuss. Yeah, well, I mean, Golubic, um, yeah, she would have been way down the list of people I would have thought. I, w- I wouldn't have thought. Quite simple. And I wouldn't have even encount- countenanced the idea that that could happen. But if you get a chance to watch her play, if you haven't seen her play, she is just joyous to watch. Her backhand is gorgeous, single-hander, and just lovely court craft awareness. She's great to watch, but I, there's no way I would have thought she would be in the in the position she's in. And Pliskova, well, I've long since written her off. So fair play to them both. Yeah, I think Golubic has won a lot of matches this season. I think around forty, something like that, but not at this level. I mean. On the WTA tour, for sure. I, I remember her reaching the Lyon final. Um, That's where I saw her, I think. Yeah. But this is this is an incredible step up. And she beat Madison Keys today. And I think Madison Keys picked up a little bit of, of an injury in that match. But that was not telling the whole story. Golubic was, was outplaying her by the sound of things. And then for Pliskova, it's weird because... It shouldn't feel unlikely that Karolina Pliskova has reached a Grand Slam quarterfinal, a Wimbledon quarterfinal, but it does. And I think that just tells you where she's been for the last two years. Since since she reached the Australian Open semis in 2019, I think she's gone nine slams without getting close to a quarterfinal. So... I didn't consider her a factor in this tournament and I didn't think the relationship with Sasha Bain was going particularly well. Um, she hasn't had many results of note this season at all. So this is this has come out of the blue, really, for me and I think for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. But here she is with, you know, with all due respect to Victoria Golubic, an enormous opportunity to reach, reach a Wimbledon semi-final. So all of those women's quarterfinals will be played Tomorrow, we've got Jabur against Sabalenka, not before 2.30pm uh, on centre court. And then Barty Tomljanovic, not before 4.30. Uh, and court one s- starts at 1pm, as expected. Pliskova Golibic, followed by Mukova Kerber. Now, the reason for the later start time on centre court is because an unfinished match between Daniil Medvedev and Hubert Hurkacz that started on court two today... And, and was called off due to rain, is going to be completed tomorrow on centre court. Now, I think they've put it on centre because they just need to be absolutely guaranteed of getting the thing played. And I guess the forecast for tomorrow potentially looks a bit iffy. So they're coming back on serve 3-4 in the fourth set with Medvedev leading two sets to one. Um, so that's an interesting little bonus ball for tomorrow. I watched uh, spits and spots of that and it looked good fun. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So we are one result down from today's Manic Monday round of 16 men's matches, but we do have... Uh, the seven others. We had Novak Djokovic. I mean, according to the scoreline, kind of trouncing Christian Garin, 6-2, not, not perhaps quite as straightforward as the scoreline suggests, David. Well, I, I commentated on this, or I covered it. First set was comfortable, really comfortable. Second set was irritable. And Garin had his moments. It got to three all, I think. And... Yeah, Djokovic faced two break points around that time and crowd were really getting behind Garin, you know, little bloke from from somewhere they've they've not seen him before and then, and then they're all getting behind every little thing he does well against the world number one. Djokovic was pissed off, frankly, that he just wasn't playing perfectly. You know, he was he was making mistakes and then staring up at Goran Ivanovic as if it was his fault, you know, just as if to say, did you see that? Did you see how rubber, you know, he was just getting angry and then it was the closest thing that you could imagine just flicking a switch and just getting his head back in gear and he held to love with one absurd forehand with the four footwork that you couldn't believe he'd produced getting around the ball hit hit this winner and then he just he barely lost another point for about 10 minutes <laughs> everything that Garin did he had an answer to he plays with such court craft these days does Djokovic he remember when he used to just be a metronome and he would just outlast people and he'd go toe-to-toe with them and just outwork them well he just doesn't do that anymore to people he just carves them apart makes them look silly a lot of the time um it was the, it was the result I expected and and he was fantastic is the result you expected for for Djokovic to face Martin Fucevic no. in the quarterfinals. Martin Fucevic, the 2011 junior champion. Photos are available and they are surprising. <laughs> yes, I, 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 you showed me that and I did. I was amused. Um, no, he played Andre Rublev, didn't he? And, and he's got this terrible record against him. And the moment he went two sets to one down, I, I'd already written, pretty much written Rublev's name and I was already talking about the match against Djokovic. Yeah, totally. Big, big surprise, that one. Um, because this is the one round you didn't pick Fucevic, Matt. You're I know. You're always picking Fucevic for an upset. People are starting to cotton on to this, that I always <laughs> pick Fucevic every slam. And look, it, it's paid off. He's He's had some big wins at slams recently. He's beaten Wawrinka and Medvedev. And this tournament, he's beaten Schwartzman and Rublev now. I think he's beaten Dimitrov at a slam in the last last couple of years. Um so I guess from that perspective, I do have Fukcevic as someone who can cause an upset. So 
maybe it shouldn't be that surprising. But it's just just the record he had against Rublev. This is a guy in Fuchovic who, after losing one of his many matches to Rublev this season, literally said to him at the net, I hope I never play you again. <laughs> that is not a guy who I'm going to be picking to win that matchup. Um and yet, he was brilliant. It's, and a, it's a great mental feat, it, isn't it? It really, really him. is. To overcome that, to reach his first Grand Slam quarterfinal, and he's he's no, you know, he's not young. Fuchovic's been around. This is this has been a long time, a long time coming, and he has caused Djokovic. I can think of one match in particular at the U.S. Open when it was really hot. And he he went toe to toe with Djokovic physically. He can he can stick with these top guys physically, which he's is a beast, isn't he's he? An, yeah. He's M- a, remember when he went toe to toe physically with Barinka in Indian Wells? Oh, on yes. a sultry night in Indian Wells, yeah. and he stuck out his chest and he beat him, didn't he? Went for it, yeah. Mm. So look, perhaps if he can make it tough against Djokovic, that's his that's his route. It's just a question of whether he actually will be able to stick with him long enough but i think i think it's really impressive from him to overcome that mental hurdle against rublev and now he and now he gets a bit of a free hit what about rublev is there anything to be said about that i mean he lost a six love set he lost nine games in a row in that match that's any idea what happened i mean and and also how big a blow that is because he is hitting his own Mm. glass ceilings when i saw the scoreline i assumed he had picked up some sort of injury that was hampering him and that wasn't the case no because he started fighting back a little bit in that fifth set and and seemed fine yeah it's it is strange isn't it Rublev I think since since he beat Nadal in Monte Carlo when would that have been April his results have slightly tailed off a bit haven't they I think we were talking a lot about Rublev and whether he could transfer his form to the slams and whether he was even a contender to start winning these big events. He doesn't feel like that anymore. I think there was a little moment earlier on in the season when he did. He, he seems to have lost his edge a little mm. bit. I'd kind of like to have seen him against Djokovic because they've never played. Right. Mm. Mm. They will. Oh, they, they will. will. And Djokovic will win. <laughs> <laughs> Karen Hatchinov, 10-8. In the fifth set today, three hours, 49 minutes over Seb Sebi Sebastian Corder. Um, a quite extraordinary fifth set of that match with, I think, about 400 breaks of serve. <laughs> a record-breaking set. The most breaks of serve in a men's singles match at Wimbledon in a set ever. Wow. How many were there? 13. It was it was madness. Can you can you many? imagine what the um, what the dialogue would be around that if that were a women's match? Oh yeah, I I <laughs> I, I said I think I said to you at the time it'd just be eye rolls everywhere. Everybody'd be mm. going, oh, women's oh, tennis. Yeah. Here we yeah. go again. Um, I don't understand Karen Hatchinov as a tennis player. I don't know what to do with him in my head. I don't know. I don't know how to feature him in my predictions. Somebody help me with what Karen Hatchinov is and what he's all about. He's a workmanlike tennis player and a big bruiser. And he... yeah, but what? Well, what's his potential? What does he want? No, this is his potential. You, you're seeing his potential. He's a top twenty player. Okay, so this isn't he, the start of something new because no, he's reached Grand no. Slam quarterfinals before. No, it's not. This he, is he won't be a top ten player. He'll be a top twenty player. Has he not already? I think he's, he's already he's been, been in the top. 10. 10. All right, he's been okay. To 10. Well, maybe he'll, maybe he'll won't dip, be again. Dip in. <laughs> maybe, but that's around. You know, nine or ten is his max, as far as I'm concerned. And he, I thought he would lose today against Seb Corder, so you can take whatever I say and do what you know, chuck it out the window if you like, but. Um, the reason I say that is because I just think Corder is has got way more potential than 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 he has. But I was very impressed with the way Hatchinov just almost looked offended by people like me, who are probably he's probably aware people are thinking, oh, this Corder, he's going to do this, that, the other, and he just he lost the first set six two, and he looked ordinary, and then he just 
went for it and he he made it physical and he tried to get in Corder's face and just smash the ball at him for four hours if he needed to. And Corder, I mean, I know he almost won, but it was kind of like he couldn't quite cope really yet. I thought you meant people like you who were standing watching the match from on high whilst eating their lunch and being caught doing so on, on BBC TV. <laughs> That did happen. Much to everyone's amusement. I was quite flexible the way I just sort of ducked out of sight very <laughs> gracefully. Yes, there was... Uh, I didn't know I was on what, TV. What was the comment? Um, Somebody thought... I think you were... I think you were... Compared to, compared a, giraffe, to a giraffe. A giraffe in the wild. There's no nice David. way of saying that. I was trying to think of one. <laughs> oh, my, my, my daughter calls me the silver giraffe because of my <laughs> grey hair. Right then. So should I, if we're not at all reassessing what we think of Karen Hatchinov as a result of today's win. Are we at all reassessing what we think of his quarterfinal opponent, Denis Shapovalov, as yes. a result of his 6-1-6-3-7-5 routine win over Roberto Bautista Agut, a man often sort of cited as a, a rite of passage win mm. for, for young naive players so so what you're saying is it turns out it was the Denis Shapovalov quarter after all <laughs> he's been waiting to say that for a week <laughs> so annoying he's had a little diary reminder on his phone <laughs> hasn't he uh, yes. yes that's yes, what we're saying I guess it was, Thank yeah. you. Um, no he look I wasn't expecting this at all uh, I nope. thought I thought Andy Murray would beat him. Uh, that didn't happen. I thought Roberto Bautista would beat him. I mean, I'm look. I'm delighted because I've always loved watching Denis Shapovalov. Um, I still think he's got yet another rite of passage match coming up because he should beat Karen mm. Hatchinov. On if he's if he's going to be what if if he if he is any different, he wins that match. If he's the old Denis, he probably ends up losing. Yeah, and I think you could perhaps even extend it to say he wins that match and then he does better against presumably Djokovic in the semi-finals. Mm. You know, I think he's got a game that should be causing Djokovic problems, especially on a big stage in a semi-final of a Grand Slam. That is when a guy like Shapovalov should come alive. Because he's got the ability. Mm -hmm. Mm. And he did it against Murray. Now, I know Murray now is not what Djokovic is now. They're not not comparable. But he showed enough in that match. He can do it. He's playing really well. Not necessarily win, but he could make a hell of a Mm -hmm. match of of a contest like that. Mm. We have seen him just make contests of things and not win a lot, though. Like, putting in a great set against... Djokovic, you know, that would a, be re- all right a really in a interesting four-set win. That would be all right. Yeah, in the Grand I think on, the, on, that stage, on that stage, you can't be sniffy yeah, about that. Enough. Djokovic is going to be zoned in. Djokovic is closing in on the calendar slam. Okay, you've you've sold me. You've sold me. Okay, he's probably going to lose to Hatchinov now. <laughs> um, Berrettini, who we that mentioned earlier, forgive. routine about <laughs> a routine over Ilya Vashka. His quarterfinal opponent will be Felix Auger Aliasim, who really did make a breakthrough today. He won the first two sets against fourth seed Alexander Zverev, lost the next two, uh, and then early in the fifth set the roof was closed. Um and who knows what would happen if it hadn't been closed due to rain. But Auger Aliasim won the fifth set six games to four to reach a first Grand Slam quarterfinal and that is massive and it was a it was a different Felix today and it was it needed to be a different Felix I think we feel like we really saw his fangs for the first time today totally yeah I was really impressed with him today I think I think it feels like a massive moment for men's tennis in a way Felix doing this you know I think He's kind of been the chosen one, hasn't he, Felix? We've known about him for so long. Everyone likes him. And everyone's just thinking, go on, make that step, make that step. Why is he not making that step? Has his game has his game regressed? Has it stalled? What's going on with Felix? It's been a real question for, 
for quite a while now. And yet today, as you said, he he displayed those fangs to win a really tight contest against someone in Zverev who personally I think Felix has got way more game than than Zverev. I think Zverev's got an A game which can be incredibly effective and I think that has perhaps been a criticism of Orger Aliassime that he hasn't quite developed the layers but I, I do see layers in his game. I do see so much there and it what it, are they what are these layers well mainly it's he plays with way more intent than Zverev he goes after the ball or Shualiasim in a way that Zverev doesn't on big in big matches like this and Zverev is reactive he is and Shualiasim looks to make things happen and when he did that today I thought he was brilliant and he's got a l- nice slice backhand Lots of the times today he was using that, bringing Zverev in and then whipping the ball past him, which I think is, you know, it's kind of a textbook play against big, tall players on a grass court. Federer's been doing it for years. Felix did it in his own way today. And the reaction from him at the end was kind of like what we were saying about Ash Barty. It was a more demonstrative Orgeralia scene than I've seen before. He He knew this... This meant a lot, and this was significant. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a big step he took today. Mm, yeah, the, and there was big wobble in that fifth set. It really could all have gone awry. He was a break up, had points to go double break up. There was a moment where it looked like a a bagel might be on the cards, and then all of a sudden it it gone away from him, and it was really hanging in the balance. And he had to dig very deep, I think, um, to pull that one out of the bag. And um, yeah, it was it was really impressive, and I don't think there's anyone in tennis that's not chuffed for for Felix Auger-Aliassime to make that step. So it will be Auger-Aliassime against Berrettini in the quarterfinals, and the final quarter will be uh, the winner of that Medvedev Hercatch match, which is still to be completed, against Roger Federer, who won today seven five six four six two over Lorenzo Sonego. I know you covered this one, David. I I kept an eye on it, I with a view to sort of watching it if it ever felt like there was any jeopardy involved, and I never ended up watching it and mm. feeling like there was any jeopardy involved. Am I doing Lorenzo Sonigo's challenge a disservice? A, a little bit. First set was actually really quite tight, and there was there was a game of about seven or eight juices in it right towards the end, which. Um, which Federer got through and, and, and got a break and, and won the set. Um, second set, the, the, the roof came on, and um, it, it was very funny for a couple of reasons. One is Sonigo just decided to go for broke on everything. And, I mean, the, the guy can hit the ball, and, and it was coming off his strings. And then he decided to whip the crowd up. And I don't think, I, th- I can only remember Marcus Willis trying to whip the crowd up at Wimbledon <laughs> against Roger Federer. Oh, whoa, whoa, Cameron Norrie Nori did, Nori it did two it days ago. All right, well, this guy, this was another level. Cameron Norrie looked a bit self-conscious as he yes. did it. It was, it was a Henman fist pump, Lorenzo Sonigo did not look self-conscious whatsoever. He genuinely looked as if he believed the crowd were there for him. And he was just, <laughs> he was going, come on, get, you know, he'd hit a winner and he'd and they'd be going for him and then he hit an ace and he did it again and and I did look at Federer and think I wonder whether this is going to irk Federer at some point here and that he's going to say actually any chance you want to give me a cheer I mean they obviously were cheering every good shot he hit but after he did all this and he made all these spectacular shots Federer then served out to love <laughs> immediately just fuck off <laughs> <laughs> sorry David's mum um <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah served out to love and then he uh, we we had in the third set with the roof on you've got this this enormous shot making from Sonigo and you could see Federer's eyes light up at the idea of being indoors with somebody hitting the ball as hard as they could at him and Federer just started timing the ball off the ground using the guy's pace against him sending it back even quicker at times and he looks in really good nick I, I would you say Federer. Yeah, I wow. mean, look, it was his type of contest. He he was in his element. He'd got somebody going for shots, but not having the 
the sort of consistency and relentlessness of length that is going to unsettle him. And it didn't get physical. It was mm-hmm. indoors. It was perfect for Federer. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I found this tournament a strange experience watching Roger Federer. I found it so hard to judge where his level is. There are moments where I think, he's back, (laughs) he's winning. And then there are moments where I think, oh, he doesn't look very sharp here. Um, I think think you're probably right, though, in that we just haven't seen him against a player who will really show us where his level is. He's He's had some tricky matches, Manorino... Nori today at times but as you said he hasn't played that top player who's going to keep the ball deep and really push him but I mean, Medvedev would be he's problematic coming if it's Medvedev yeah. I think that's that's the thing we're, we're only going to find out in that match where Federer is it makes it hard to call at 8.05pm today and I don't know exactly what stage in the Federer match that was I think shortly before the end my brother uh, known Federer fan sent me a message just saying it's coming home and by it I mean tennis and by home I mean Switzerland <laughs> <laughs> so just not ima- getting carried away just at imagine, all. imagine if it did <laughs> right then uh, I think that's it for the final manichist of Mondays next Next year we'll have soothing normal Monday, soothing Sunday. <laughs> no, th- no, this no, no. year is soothing this Sunday. Year, no, no, yeah. moderately busy. Monday. <laughs> um, no, it's. I mean, I, I think I only, uh, I had fewer rants to Matt about the schedule I was than I was expecting to, to. I mean, I had some. I had some. There was a period where we were simply unable to watch uh, Ash Barty. Ash Barty. And that was a very frustrating time in the day. But anyway, we made it through and we'll never have to do it again. <laughs> and tomorrow gets significantly more soothing because it's women's quarterfinals with bonus Medvedev Herkatch thrown in. I really will try and get a prediction right tomorrow. Zeus, that is my pledge to you. David, I'm sure, has the same to say to Rogue. Matt can't pick Fukcevic tomorrow, but uh, I'm sure we'll... Pull one out of the bag for Scales or Malzall. Mocker is our lovely tournament mascot. Hello, Mocker. Hello, Dawn. Mocker's lovely owner. Um, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer. Matt, as always, we have shout-outs. Yes, for James Benham. All right, James. Hello, James. Like Bond. I was trying to think of a tennis player, but let's just go with Bond. I mean, Blake. I had Blake. Double O seven. But Bond. Yeah. Kira Cleveland. Oh, that's a stage name, surely. What makes you think that? Well, it's just showbiz, isn't it? <laughs> Cle- it's great. Cle- Cleveland have got an NFL team, Catherine. I know you like your NFL. The Browns. That's a crap name. <laughs> Are there also the blues and the blacks and the yellows? I have no idea. The Boston yellows. <laughs> no one's supporting them, are they? Uh, thank you very much, Kira. I was going to go down the nightly road, but you took us in a different direction, David. Okay. Perhaps this is where I point out that Kira is not spelt like Kira as in Kira Knightley, and Cleveland's not spelt like Cleveland as in the Cleveland Browns. But anyway, we haven't got time to get into that. We'll just go with the final shout out for Stuart Turner. Right, Stuart. Stuart Turner, thank you very much. I'm trying to think of... There was that bloke that played in Wimbledon Collies called Stuart, uh, uh, in, in Queen's Collies. <laughs> Stuart Parker. Stuart Parker. Blimey, I didn't expect his name to come up. <laughs> I knew a Stuart when I was at school, when I was about eight, and I recently discovered what he's doing now, 40 years on. Well, what's what's that? You're going to have to tell us. He's he's an architect. Ooh. I was amazed. I thought you were going to say he was a stripper or something. I thought that story, <laughs> I thought that had a better punchline. Okay. Hello to architect Stuart. No, and... he's not an architect. That one is. This no, no, I know. Not. I was going to get on to, oh. to our Stuart. I understand now. <laughs> Thanks, thank, Stuart. Thank you to Stuarts everywhere for your support. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the newsletter, all that jazz. Follow us on Instagram. 
Though I say so myself, it's uh, it's good shizzle over there. And uh, Hannah on Twitter as well is even better shizzle. I can't say shizzle twice. I've already, I've already done it. There you go. We'll be back tomorrow. Another podcast. Speak to you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.